No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we consider Job in the aftermath of losing everything. Satan appears before God a second time, saying that Job will curse God if he is attacked physically. God permits Satan to strike him with painful boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Can Job pass this test? We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 2 on Simply the Bible. In Job's mind, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. In a single day, he lost all his livestock and his ten children. And how did Job respond? He said, Naked I came into this world, naked I shall leave it. The Lord gave and he took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, we are told Job did not sin in what he said. Job passed his first test. We continue in Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. As we saw yesterday, Satan has access to the throne room of God. He can go there as one of the angels to appear before God. So the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him, to destroy him without cause. Here we see God's assessment of Job. He repeats what he said in chapter 1, that Job is a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. But he adds something else to it. Job holds fast to his integrity. Now, integrity has been defined as doing the right thing when no one else is looking. Everything else had been taken away from Job, but he still had his integrity. And do you know that nobody can take your integrity from you? If you lose it, it's because you've chosen to give it up through sin. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Satan is still at it. Do you know the enemy of our souls is relentless? He accuses us before God day and night, the Bible says, and he is still falsely accusing Job of only serving God for the benefits Yes, everything materially has been taken away from him, but if his body is struck with illness and pain, well, surely he will curse you. That was Satan's line. Therefore, God delivered Job's body into the hand of Satan to attack however he wanted. However, God said, you must spare his life. Once again, God set the boundaries for Satan. Now, at this point, 
we need to pause and reflect upon the tests God allowed in Job's life. Remember that Job had no idea what was going on in the heavenly realm. He didn't know he was part of this cosmic conflict. He didn't understand why in one day he lost all of his possessions. And he wouldn't understand why now suddenly he would be struck with physical pain. This brings us face to face with the problem of suffering. We can understand why bad people suffer. We expect that to a certain degree. If a murderer suddenly gets shot and dies, well, we feel that somehow divine justice has been served. But what about when a two-year-old child drowns? What about when a doctor who has risked his life serving infected patients suddenly contracts the same disease and dies himself? Is that fair? We must wrestle with the fact that life isn't fair and that good people suffer. It's not that God isn't powerful enough to stop it, but there are times when he doesn't stop it. And that is the case here with Job. While he didn't understand what was happening to him, he was far more than just merely a pawn in a cosmic chess game between God and Satan. God was using this great test to prove Job's character. It wasn't that God needed to know what Job's character was. He already knew it. But the trials Job endured proved to Job what was in his heart. And it proved to us the kind of person that Job was. Had Job not gone through these trials brought about by Satan, we never would know of his character. He would have disappeared into the annals of history like the rest of his contemporaries and like so many in any generation. The fact that he suffered and endured so much without cursing God reveals the quality of faith that Job had. It shows really how much integrity the man truly had. The same is true with us. We must forever put out of our minds that when things go wrong, God is punishing us. Now there are times when we do reap what we have sown. There are times when we have ignored God's commandments, and then we suffer the consequences. That's our fault. But there are many other times when we are just going through life, and we really haven't done anything majorly wrong, but suddenly the trials hit. We have someone in our church who has family members whose home was just destroyed by a tornado. They did nothing to deserve this. Why was their home struck when others weren't? We cannot answer such questions. But as believers, we have a promise to which we must hold fast. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, most of us are familiar with verse 28. God works all things together for good to those who love him, right? But verses 29 and 30 give us the bigger picture. God isn't primarily concerned about our immediate comfort. He is concerned about what we will ultimately become in him. And before we lived a single day of our life, he already knew us. He knew all the days of our lives. He knew how we would respond to his grace. And he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. 
This is God's primary goal for our lives, that we become like Jesus. However long it takes, whatever trials we must go through, whatever bumps in the road we must suffer. Moreover, he called us, justified us, and glorified us. Notice that these verbs are all in the past tense. In other words, God sees these things as having already happened. That's God's perspective because he dwells in eternity. Now, the trials we go through are the means God uses to conform us to the image of Christ. These are also the things he uses to show us just what we're made of. When Job resisted the temptation of cursing or blaming God, then it strengthened his trust in God and showed him and the world just what Job was made of. Remember, God isn't sending trials and suffering to punish you, but to prove you. His desire is to show you off, to make you a trophy of his grace to the devil, to the angels, to the world, to everyone, to show that you have been tested and approved. You are pure gold refined in the fire. And if we will remember that, then it will help us walk through trials victoriously. Verse 7, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, and he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. It's incredible pain. I I've never had a boil, but I hear that they're very, very painful. And imagine having it from the bottom of your foot to the top of your head. It was incredible pain, and there was itching and oozing sores. So he scraped himself with a broken piece of pottery. Doesn't get much worse than that. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? Now, poor Job's wife. I think she's received some undue criticism here. I mean, she loved her husband. It was probably extremely painful for her to watch him in such a state of physical suffering, and she too had lost their 10 children in a single day. Amazing grief. But You know, she saw Job suffering and weakened at this time and gave him bad counsel. You know, she probably just said, look, why are you putting your trust in God? And God hasn't done you any good here. Just get it over with and, you know, be done with it. Uh, But it was foolish counsel. And so Job rebukes her gently. He says, "You're, you're, you're speaking like a foolish woman would speak. This was something that was out of sorts for his wife, and he knew it. She wasn't normally like this, but she had reached her point of breaking. And uh, and so he says, look, you know, we've accepted good from God for all these years, and, and now we need to also accept adversity. And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Naamathite. For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. So this was one of those sort of visitation appointments. All three of Job's friends got together and said, hey, let's go see Job. We hear everything's going bad for him. 
And so they, they came, and that's good. Misery does love company. And so they came. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. They couldn't even recognize Job. He was in such agony physically. And all they could do is just cry out weeping, tearing their clothes as a sign of mourning, sprinkling dust on their heads, and just in great agony and anguish for their friend. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Let me just say that at this point, Job's three friends are acting very wisely. I have found that the best thing you can do when somebody's really suffering, they're bereaved or in some kind of grief, is just be quiet. We can all learn from man's best friend. What do dogs do? They just sit there, they love on you, they don't say a word. I think sometimes we can learn a lot from dogs and just keep our mouths shut, which is what they did for seven days. Didn't say a word. They could just see the heaviness in Job's spirit. Now remember, God will let you go through your own fiery trials. Maybe you are going through one right now. But there is no other way for the gold of your faith to be purified except by passing through the fire. So trust the Lord, continue to do good, and God will make you more like Jesus and show you and others the character that he has forged in you. This is just one of the many lessons from the book of Job. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see where Job is so despondent in his suffering that he curses the day he was born. Is there hope for the hopeless? We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.